Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, and Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalzik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, uh, are you ready for the the end of the monoculture and the end of all discussion of TV? We can pack it up and go home because Game of Thrones is done. Well, I mean, it's not the end of like discussion television. It's just the end of the discussion of everyone watching the same television show. Everyone, Kate, everyone was watching the Game of Thrones finale except for the... Millions upon millions of people who were not watching the games Game of Thrones finale, and thus could not contribute to that conversation. What? Like you know, you. Me. <laughs> yeah, the I mean, yes, Game of Thrones it has had millions of years, and it was a the biggest TV event, like a scripted TV event we've had in quite a while, I would say. But yeah, yeah the notion that now all common discourse is dead is just ridiculous. Um, so I look forward to there's going to be you know of fallow period and then like atlanta's gonna come back and all of tv twitter is just gonna be talking about that so like you know in quite a bit of tv twitter at least is obsessed with fleabag right now so i feel like yeah given how bubbled off social media media already is i'm already kind of like experiencing the next wave of of what the discourse is now in in realsies yeah that's a totally different situation like i was at um where was it? I was at the store and I just heard people talking about the finale and that was really fun because people never watch the shows I watch in, in real <laughs> in real life. So so don't get me wrong. I, I do understand, appreciate and value that aspect of it and that I so rarely get to experience just like in the wild people knowing and caring about the shows that I actually watch. Um, but I guess maybe because that was already such a rare thing. I'm not for, for me. I don't feel like there's this big loss. Yeah, and I feel nothing because I'm dead inside. <laughs> well, there you go. I will. I think one of the things I will miss the most is the Game of Jones on uh, on on late night with uh, Seth Meyer. Yeah, I haven't watched that yet. Yeah, it's 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 very fun, and also of course Game of Thrones, uh, which came to its conclusion uh, this week. Lots of delightful Game of Thrones content that is no more, but I'll be talking a little bit about the Game of Thrones finale later in the show. As listeners will have noticed, there was no extra, uh, episode about Game of Thrones this week in my feed. Cause I didn't really feel the need to, to, to just vent my spleen about it. Um, and, and also life was busy this week. So, you know, I figure if you're that focused on it you probably have like five other game of thrones podcasts you listen to so i just would fold it into the conversation here however we did get some feedback um from we did get a comment at the website from one of uh, our listeners about the previous game of thrones thing marcus reached out to say uh for the last couple of years i've resigned myself to accept the fact that game of thrones wouldn't end in a great way and that its best years were in the past most of the end results of this episode i'm not surprised by but how they got there was not satisfying or earned in any way Ding, ding, ding. Uh, save for maybe Kyburn's death, it really feels like the showrunners are rushing to the end using uh, George R. R. Martin's bullet points, but ignoring any character or logistical, for example, the Scorpion's effectiveness last episode versus this one, uh, consistency to jump to the next point. Um, yeah. 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 That's about right. <laughs> that's about right. Talking about this, the penultimate episode, but still. Oh, way to go, Marcus. 
You just took all the air out of Kate's wings for her discussion of the finale. <laughs> yeah, well, the, there's still a few... Well, because this wasn't actually talking yeah. about the finale. But yes, I'm right with you there, Marcus, and um, more in a little bit. Uh, one of my favorite conversations around this finale has actually been all the people talking about good finales yeah. and their favorite finales and using this uh, final season of Game of Thrones as sort of like a, a jumping off point. And I've been very validated to see just about every thread that's discussing this just filled with people talking about the Americans and also in a surprise for me, but like a very exciting one, lots of love for Justified, which mm-hmm. we loved that finale. Yeah, it's a very good finale. Are there any other favorite finales that come to mind for you? Well, I always point to, like, the Angel finale as, mm-hmm. like, a really good encapsulation of what a series finale should be, um, in part because it just really sums up the ethos of that show really, really nice, especially in the last line. Um, but everything else is just really, really good and really kind of gut-wrenching when it needs to be gut-wrenching. But there's also the New Heart finale, which is just so good mm-hmm. and pure. Um, Six Feet Under finale, naturally. Um more recently, the um, halt and catch file, heart, halt and catch file words. The halt and <laughs> catch fire finale is also like real good. And I think that's going to be something that's going to slowly tick up the more people find that show and realize, oh, that was really good. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. really good, wasn't it? It should have been on your top 10 list. Yeah, it should have. Yeah, <laughs> for a long time. So I think those are like ones that I would point to. Um, maybe the MASH finale, even though I like it, but it's also kind of bloated. Mm, um, it's definitely too long. Uh, yeah. Leftovers? I think the Leftovers finale is pretty good. Yeah, I do. Yeah. No, yeah. that's a good choice. It's just sullied by the, I think, the penultimate episode, which I don't care for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was just a, I like that one, but I can hear it. But I hear you. Yeah. So what about you? Um, the the Sopranos finale, another popular choice. Um, I also, you know, I, I stand in this house. We stand the Lost finale and the Battlestar yes. finale. So I'm down with both of those. I know I know in some corners that's controversial. Um, not I think like, I really feel like it gets overplayed the, the how much people hate the Lost finale and the Battlestar finale, because I feel like there are definitely those who do. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say they don't exist. But I think uh, over time, the people who like those finales feel more co- confident talking about that than they yeah. might have at the, at, when they actually aired. Because I actually see more people in favor of the, being like, I have a controversial pick. I like the Lost finale. Um, and then again, maybe that's confirmation bias because I'm certainly looking for that. Yeah, but on the upside now, we can just point to the Game of Thrones finale as replacing both of those mm-hmm. as worst genre finales, apparently, which I'm very happy about because it means people will shut up about the Lost finale now. And I can just say, yeah, but the yeah. Game of Thrones finale was real bad. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, it's also just the whole last season in a way, too. But um, yeah. I, I also really was enjoying uh, the conversations around um you think this you guys don't remember dexter yes this game of thrones finale is not good but dexter like took it to the level of art of just how like um not just the last moment not just the lumberjack but like everything uh, about that finale um yeah i also to, to to not have so much recency bias i point to of course the um 
the Cheers finale is one of the great finales. Mm-hmm. Uh, another terrible finale. Several of the X Files finales are bad. Um, <laughs> and for for good recent ones, uh, Friday Night Lights managed to do three terrific series finales, which is very impressive. It's hard to do one good series finale, let alone three of them. Um, so so yeah, there there are definitely memorable. Uh, captivating finales from across the span of of, of TV. Uh, oh, and of course, I love the Deadwood finale. I think it's a perfect finale. So I'm hoping that the movie that we're getting soon will um will be a, a worthy addition to that that world. But regardless, the finale is just terrific. So uh, that's another that's another one I would point to. We almost forgot a very important one. Uh, Noel. Yeah, the Quantum Leap finale is real good, Kate. It's so good, mm-hmm. and it's. It like Angel is like a really good encapsulation of the show's the show's ethic and its point of view, and also it's just it's just real good way to send off that show. And Sam Beckett never returned home. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so it's so perfect too. I know some people hate it, but they're wrong. <laughs> it's good. They're they're very wrong. <laughs> they're so very wrong. Um, and you know another one because of this the anniversary was recently is the Next Generation finale. Uh, oh yeah that is a good choice and did you watch the picard picard trailer not yet should i i mean it's just a vineyard uh-huh <laughs> fair enough uh but yeah, that's got to be one of my favorite like last shots of a yeah, finale yeah, yeah it's it's very good it's very very good it's very good okay the, the, we're talking so much about these finales i need to move on to our current finales because that's what our season spotlight is going to be here instead of diving with the full season of a show uh we're going to catch up with all the Arrowverse shows and chime in with our thoughts on their finales and and, and probably a little discussion of what's coming in crisis um but the, so that's gonna be at the end of the show and then before then we have a full week of tv including more finales finale palooza so now let's take a break listen to a little music and we'll be right back with our week in tv when i wake up in Sunlight hurts my eye. Something without water love bears heavy on my mind. Then I look at you, and the world's all right with me. Just one look at you, and I know it's gone. TV. I'm going to talk a bit about the Blackish finale, Relatively Grown Man, and then Noel's going to catch us up with Better Things Season 3. I have a few thoughts on The Last OG, Mom Said Knock You Out, and then we've got The Amazing Race. I'm a bird, I'm a plane, I'm on The Amazing Race, and who wants a Rolex? It was a double episode. Noel's going to fill us in. Then I'll have just a few thoughts on Drag Race's reunion episode, Reunited, and the elementary premiere, The Further Adventures, before I can wait no longer and I have to talk a little bit about the Game of Thrones finale, the Iron Throne, and we round things out with DuckTales. The Duck Knight returns! Very 
excited for that one. Um, so first up is the Blackish finale, and I just wanted to mention this one because I've been behind on the show. I'm still I have some to catch up on in the middle, but I really liked that they chose to center the finale on the question of whether Junior was going to return to college at the end of his gap year, considering. We're at the end of the gap year, and I think the way that they structure the episode uh, works pretty well, with one glaring exception. The notion that Bo thought that Junior was going to follow in her footsteps and become a doctor is absurd. Like, maybe, yeah. maybe like a GP or like... like, like just a family doctor, kind of, but like, he was never going to be cutting into anyone. No. You wasn't. That's. I mean, she's she's an anesthetician, um, anesthesiologist. Yeah, yeah. And so she's hopefully not. But yeah, no, he's he's not cutting into anyone. If anything, Junior becomes a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Yes, and that maybe that that could have been like the doctor because she does the thing about you know they're they're gonna say Doctor Johnson. We were gonna go like, oh, which one do you mean? Like, like yeah, like that makes sense. But the notion that. She have her head in. like this is feels very retconned, and she's smarter than that, and more aware than that, and more in touch with who Junior is than that. So that was very confusing. But the rest of the episode, I actually rather enjoyed, um, and I liked the pairing of Junior and Pops uh, around <laughs> their relationships uh, with women, um, and and Junior's assertion that he doesn't use Pops' uh, love him and leave him method because he, yeah, I don't hate women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which t- pops takes offense is oh so- i'm sorry i don't act like i, I hate women <laughs> i don't treat women as if i hate them um which is just a really um yeah it's a lovely little exchange they get a lot of good good mileage out of it so um that question being resolved at least for now i think works well i like the little glimpse we get of zoe and mostly i'm not i don't know how excited i am for mixed dish which is the new spinoff that's coming this fall but i'm glad that Gronish will be back very soon so i'm looking forward to that uh how how was the second latter half of better things season three um all of it was really good like i think that the entire sort of season three run was really really strong um this was um the first season in which ck was not involved in any way shape or form at least on a writing perspective and i think that there is a sense of maybe freedom from that as adeline who directed every episode this season um as she's done in the past uh since season two anyway um gets to do like some different types of storytelling, I think, and also gets to structure the storytelling really differently. So we saw her at a film shoot that just was going progressively more and more poorly um, until the point where she had to stand up for the cast and crew after they did a stunt in which they were told it was not a stunt. Um, But this kind of stuff. And then just, going through her friendships. So meeting up with a a number of other actors um, and hanging out, basically. Um, The finale, though, um, and the penultimate episode, uh, Get Lit, and then the finale, Shake the the Cocktail, are both really, really good episodes, um, especially for Frankie, who, particularly in this season, has been going through a number of frustrations and that all comes to head and shake the cocktail um and it's just it's really it's just really really good and i encourage you to catch up i encourage listeners to make time for this um because it's just really really good and 
and there's really thoughtful stuff. There's really funny stuff. Um, I mean, I never knew I needed to hear Matthew Broderick say one word in John Lithgow's voice, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> and just nails it like it's perfect. He 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 repeats it a couple of times and he loses the thread. But that first the first time he says it, mm-hmm. it's like John Lithgow has taken over Matthew Broderick's body, mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of spooky. But it's there's just plenty of humor here again. But there's also plenty of just like really good sadness um, that this show balances really really well. Typically, but this season in particular, I think is probably the strongest of Better Things, and the. The end of the season, um, particularly as um, Sam reads a birthday card, um, just sort of really encapsulates everything about this show um, in three sentences, like three or four sentences. And they're, you have survived another year. You made it. We all made it. P.S. Sorry, I'm such an asshole. (laughs) And yeah. It, those four sentences basically describe better things in really perfect ways. And so make some time to catch up on this if you haven't. I had to like do the show in chunks because I let build up for a long time on the DVR. But I really encourage everyone to go out, watch this season. You can get away without having watched anything from seasons one and two. Just dive in. Some of the stuff with her ex-husband may be a little confusing. Um, it's the weakest part of the show in this season, but there's still plenty of other good stuff here. And yeah, watch it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited because I, you know, I really enjoyed season one and season two. So that bodes uh, very well for me when I am able to catch up with better things here. Uh, I also really enjoyed Blast OG. This week we have uh, Mama Said Knock You Out, and this episode is all about. Uh, Trey's relationship with his mom and we meet her. Oh, cool. Yeah, right? Like, I I don't... I'm imagining that it must have been because I, like, had seen the title, like, on our episode list, but I was start- sitting down to watch it and I was like, I wonder what Trey's mom is like and then the episode was all about her um, so i'm sure i'm sure my brain made that connection i'm it's not just coincidence but um uh but it was really terrific and then the the, the tension between her wanting to meet uh the grandkids and then shay not sure she wa- like having heard uh plenty of like the part i'll i'll get into briefly is that her uh, Trey calls her the skillet because <laughs> of because she used to beat his ass when he was causing trouble uh so she doesn't necessarily want her children to meet the skillet and it it really plays into some of the dynamics between Trey and his mom and Shay and Josh and the grandkids in a really interesting way that's really uh really well done um so so yeah I was I it was a digression that I hadn't realized I was wondering about until it came it came up in in, in the second season here and so I, I really enjoyed this episode and uh I look forward to your thoughts when you get a chance to to see it I, I, do we know any other people watching the last OG I do not. I, no, I don't um, think I do either. I don't tweet about it, and I don't see other people tweeting about it. Yeah. But um, to be fair, neither of us are probably on Black Twitter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, there's very a very white bubble, like part of my bubble. Don't get me wrong. Uh, so that's probably influencing who I'm seeing talking talk about it. But yeah, I should talk about it more because it's real. I mean, as I was watching this episode, I was just like, they are so benefiting from having 
this cast and, and uh, Tiffany Haddish is really good in her what she gets. I mean, it's mostly a Trey episode, but, you know, I was like, this is part of why this is working so well is because Tiffany Haddish is so good and uh, uh-huh. so well cast here. So, um, yeah, I'm just I'm so grateful. I was like, like watching the show. Going like, I'm so grateful that I've got Tiffany Haddish on my TV every week. And a lot of people in her situation would have not done the show or would have bolted at, after she got some of her big breakthrough parts, um, which was before season two. And uh, I really appreciate that she is, you know, I, I don't know what the contract was. Maybe she didn't have the option <laughs> to, yeah. to, to, and she's just smart enough to not Constance woo it, you know, possibly. But, but like, um. it seems like, it seems like she, it feels like she's chosen to like support and stick with this show. Cause she, you know, cause she values it. And I'm really enjoying, um, enjoying the show. And I'm, you know, it's in the second season. It's just as stronger, stronger than it was in season one. So we will see what we'll see what comes next, but uh, yeah, I, I really like this episode, so I wanted to mention it. And you wanted to mention the Amazing Race. What went down on? I'm a bird. I'm a plane. I'm on the Amazing Race. And who wants a Rolex? Do they have to like right. sell and convince people? Is that this is the second title it makes me think of? No, but I will explain what it is in a second. So uh, leg five, which was going from Vietnam to the United Arab Emirates, everyone was excited because you go to Dubai. And um, the detour choice was between Fall and Find. In Find, they had to dress up in those Tyrannosaurus Rex mm-hmm. costumes and go find some eggs in a park at night. But Fall, most a lot of people went with Fall because at the base of that really tall building, uh, the Burj Khalifi, that really tall tower in Dubai, everyone thought they were going to get to jump off that building. Mm-hmm. And, like, soar down. And, like, even at the base of the entrance to the building, they had to choose, like, one of those folks in those little flying suits. The flying squirrel sort of suits. Yeah. The gliding. Yeah. Uh, so they had to choose one of those at the base of it. And then right all the way up to the top, where they discovered it was a virtual reality challenge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's mean. <laughs> in which that they do have to, like, do a Mission Impossible-esque mission. That does involve parachuting from the top of the top of that tower mm-hmm. down to the ground, yeah. um, but in virtual reality. Mm-hmm. But then they had to answer quizzes as a team about certain things within the virtual reality mission, and they could only like they had to wait for they only had like two headsets, so they had to wait mm-hmm. for um, another team to finish before that they could do it again and get everything. And so, but their answers had to match up. So if one person got one question wrong, you had to do the whole thing over again. So the sheer enjoyment of them being like, we're going to get jump off the tallest building in the world. This is going to be so cool. Oh, it's virtual reality. Oh, that's, that's fun. (laughs) There's a quiz. (laughs) And there's a quiz. I I feel like there would have been plenty of enjoyment watching the the people who are afraid of heights find out that they actually picked the faster one by picking find. Be like, ah, suckers. (laughs) My fear of heights saves me for once. The dinosaur one was definitely much quicker. And, but then they did get to go down a very, the world's longest urban zip line Mm -hmm. to the Dubai Marina. So they did still get to like fly and fall basically. Um, the other mm-hmm. really good, um, the roadblock in this was they went to a silent rave and had to find the one person listening to the same music that they were listening to. Um, oh, wow. Which was really cool because one of the team funds back and one of, he was a drummer in college and it was just like, oh, 
Yeah, it's that guy over there. Yeah. I've got them immediately. I'm used to maintaining rhythm. It's that person. Um, <laughs> oh, because so, they all have headphones, and so they're moving at yes. different be- yes. beats depending on what they're... Oh, okay, yeah. That's yeah. cool, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, that one was really fun. Um, a couple of people were just like, just start grabbing people and bringing them over. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Mm. You'll get one right eventually. Mm. <laughs> um, so from... The uh, from Dubai they went to Uganda, um, where they climbed a uh, the uh, marionette at the Uganda National Mosque, which was very cool. Um, minaret, but th- the minaret. Yeah, okay. thank you. Um, the detour then was uh, the um, sorry, not the detour. Um, the the Rolex involved not getting and buying or trying to sell a watch mm-hmm. rolex is the name of a local dish which is a fried omelet that's wrapped in some wrapped in like a sh- wrapped in like dough mm-hmm. and fried um so it's basically just a really delicious looking fried omelet with a bunch of grated vegetables inside of it mm-hmm. it looked delicious mm-hmm. so they ha- it was a standard go get the ingredients come back make the thing if you make it you pass etc mm-hmm. um everyone does really well except for one of the teams who Misses the fact that it's on a food stall right next to the clue box and goes around this market that's the size of like 20 to 50 football fields trying to find a Rolex. That's unfortunate. Yeah, I felt real bad Um, because everyone else is just like going through it like no one, no one fucks up on the um, on the food challenge at all like they all they all do a really good job making it because it's literally just making an omelet and wrapping it and Mm -hmm. everyone's fine um so then there's a standard either do the fish or move some stuff from one point to another on a bike in a muddy street type of stuff really standard Mm -hmm. and then the head-to-head comes back kate they're back Mm. with a vengeance yeah um and this was just moving drums around in a puzzle um in like four different stacks color coded but and uh ascending size or descending size um so how this basically worked out is if you were the team that lost you knew exactly how to do the puzzle the second time even though they they totally rejuggled the order from the first setup Mm -hmm. uh from sorry from the previous setup so it was different every time but the the team that stayed behind had a better grasp on the puzzle Mm -hmm. during their second time through so anytime the next team would come in they would they wouldn't be able to finish it before the previous team was able to so that team yeah. that arrived last was screwed because the other team had already done it once yeah um so it was one of those things where I, once again the head to hands are just really poorly designed yeah and just are there to manufacture drama and Phil is still really really bad at doing the play-by-play commentary <laughs> for the head-to-heads. I was really hoping that they would be better, but mm. they were not. So, yeah. Um that's uh that's um that's amazing race so far. They're going from they're going to Switzerland um from Uganda and there's going to be some fun stuff in the Alps. Okay. So, that'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not excited about those head-to-heads. I, I though I do appreciate the design of that one in that as you get more tired, you get a different advantage. So at least that's yeah. better than the last time where like, as you got, as you did it more, you just got more tired and more likely to lose. Yeah. So at least there's yes. that, but like you need to balance that <laughs> so that it's not just like lose once. Okay. You'll definitely win the next time. Like, yeah, the, the, the head to heads are stupid, but 
Yeah, they're very stupid. Okay, you know what else is stupid? Doing a Drag Race reunion two episodes after you did a Drag Race reunion. So this episode is reunited, and it's the you know the penultimate episode of the season where they had the final like determine who's in the in the finale episode, and then they get all the queens to back together. And of course, the difference between this episode and when they have the the returning queens, which was only you know one episode before the 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 final challenge is that this is filmed when they film the finale. So everybody who's there has had a chance to watch the show on TV and see how they're depicted and all that stuff. So so that let's gives them a few new things to talk about. But because they just did the uh, makeover episode with six of the nine queens, they already rehashed Wiggate, which, no, it comes up again. What? It comes up no. again. Why? I don't because they don't have other things to talk about. I guess um, they, they they can just talk about Brangy for the entire reunion. That's what they should do. <laughs> yeah, well, Vanjie gets the first segment and also the second segment because they start with Vanjie like you just missed the finale. How does that feel? That kind of thing, and then they pivot into let's talk about Brangie. And by the time they get done with that part of it, it's a quarter of the way through the episode. Like just about like they, with there's the intro and you know clips and things, but still like it was about the the fifteen. Or it was like the 13 minute mark on the screener and the, the whole screener was like 65 minutes. So, so yeah. that tells you just the, the dearth of other interesting queens that they have or content that they have that they gave a quarter of it to one of the queens. Not a good sign. Not a good sign that none of the queens who are in the finale get as much attention as the queen who missed the finale in their big episode hyping the finale. So we'll see how that goes. But they did have a nice segment with Raja, which I appreciated because Raja had a, a little different perspective. Um, the, what makes these reunions interesting are when queens have something to say or they are trying to rehab their image or they have, um, you know, they, they have new perspective having seen themselves on the show, having like had some distance. And yeah. so and Raja did and, and talked a little bit about that, what that was like. And that was interesting. And then they pivoted right into talking to, to Akira, who didn't have a different perspective about the asked, we asked if she uh, considered herself a potster, you know, like, it's just like, no, I wasn't trying to start anything up. And I was like, mm, okay, I don't agree with you. Um, but why are we still talking about this? If, if, and, and then Rue quickly, when Rue realizes that Akira is just going to keep repeating herself and cause she, cause that's how she feels. He like interrupts her, he's like, okay, let's just talk about something else. I mean, like, and, and that happens a few times. They, when they get back to Wiggate, Rue just like loses, like, Silky and Ariel are just like sniping back and forth at each other, talking over Rue, who's trying to move to the, to a clip. And it's just like, oh, it's not a good, not a good sign. Sugar and Honey don't get any time in the, this reunion, Aww. which is like, come on. Um, and there, there's like a nice little thing with Mercedes. Which, you know, talking about coming out to her family as a drag queen, um, which which is really sweet. And they bring back the Opalins, you know, that's fun. Uh, but they also reopen the library and, like, Nina gets a good read or two. Ariel gets one or two good ones. Uh, there was one other queen who gets a decent read, but most of them are bad. This is not a good season for queens for reading. Um, so that's about the same. And then they do, like, a clip reel of the... Uh, 
behind the scenes, like more judge comments. Um, but like they were cut for a reason. So they're fine. But like, there's very little here, listeners. You can absolutely skip the reunion. And I hope that the producers learn from this and do not have the reunion episode. Two episodes after they brought back most of the queens and rehashed all the drama. Like, save it for the reunion. And then you can get a really much or not not even if it wouldn't have been a great reunion, even if they hadn't had the makeovers. But it would have been more interesting than this. Um, and like when it, it compared to, you know, the previous one with Asia and uh, Vixen, for example, like that was really there was some really compelling stuff there talking about the responsibility yes. Of these different queens to each other like there's some really great stuff there because asia was willing to not stand up to rue but to to disagree vehemently and um passionately with what rue was saying and that you know and this, so then they have an actual discussion and that nothing like that's gonna happen in this one um so yeah it's just i hope the finale is good i really want a strong finale because these last several episodes have been it's been just sort of like petering away all of my excitement so i'm hoping that we get a really at least one really great lip sync next time so that i can be excited about the show going into the hiatus (sighs) a show that i am very excited for coming out of its hiatus see what i did there is the elementary uh premiere here we have the further adventures and we pick up with joan and sherlock in london they uh have joan not have adopted um, but but Kitty and Charlie are staying with them. So that explains some of the dialogue from the finale that may seem like Joan had her kid. She does not have a kid. Um, but she does have blonde hair. And the, we see them work a case in London. I'm glad that we pick up in the UK. Uh, I like some of what they're showing about the transitional, you know, like sort of growing pains of, of Joan being in the UK versus, you know, missing home um, and like how things are adjusting uh, they they give a very good reason for why Marcus isn't part of the Marshals, which is a federal hiring freeze. Um, so that worked out for their storyline. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then they they have some some uh some just sort of pay out pay off and um, baggage around Gregson. So the at the end of the premiere, there's something that's gonna lead to our characters interacting more. I was I expected them to just pick up in London. I didn't expect that we would still have Marcus and Gregson in New York, that we'd be following them following them both. But we are in this first episode and um then the the way that they pivot the action at the end of the first episode, I think uh I'm not all that enthused about it, but I think it makes sense and we will talk about it more once you've seen it. Um yes. So I will leave it there other than to just say, of course, like the thing that we can appreciate almost as much as the show being back and these wonderful depictions of two of my favorite literary characters being back is that Joan was Joan's wardrobe is back and it's just yes. as fabulous as always. Um, I, I like their new set, too. I think they did a good job with the new um, Baker Street locale. I mean, obviously, it's not the brownstone, but like nothing's the brownstone and bringing back Kitty, I think, for this episode works really really well and we'll see how much of a presence she is in this season i would love it if she was just like a staple of the show in london i think that would be really cool so we'll see um our next episode here before i take a bring get a bunch of water is the game of thrones finale the iron throne so noel what do you know about this finale just from osmosis um i know that a water bottle became king of westeros um <laughs> And, um, let's see. No, I know that Bran becomes 
king, right? Bran? Bran becomes king of Westeros. Yes. Um, and then let's see. Um, do I remember anything else that happened? No, I think that was it. I know that um Danny gets killed. Um one of the dragons sets the throne on fire, if I remember. Mm-hmm. Um and um I think that's about all I remember from like vague osmosis. Um I know that Arya survived, so that was good. Uh she can get her spin-off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, I like that HBO had to come out and say, like, we are not doing a West of Westeros spinoff, guys. <laughs> as much as that would be a cool show, we're not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's about it. Okay. Um. Yeah. Um. I'm basically just kind of like, meh, whatever. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and that's a pretty strong, you know, indicator of where I'm at with it as well. I was curious how much this you you had picked up. Um. The first half of like there's a distinct break in the in the finale where uh, after Danny is killed and really up until Danny is killed should have been a different episode <laughs> and they should have ended with Drogon flying off with her body and and like that would like when they cut to the end of that at the end of that scene I'm like okay that's how you should have ended the previous episode and then everybody goes like oh, what's gonna happen next and then the whole you know in a normal season of Game of Thrones that is your climax instead then they have this like there's an additional 30 40 minutes um to wrap everything up and okay so the first half of the episode features Tyrion slowly walking around the ruins of king's landing because it's just like in case watching danny burn children alive wasn't enough to get us to not be Team Danny anymore. They're like, I know, Dinklage walking around ashes. That will do it. And granted, he's a terrific actor, don't get me wrong, but like, I don't need to watch him walk around the uh, ruined city when I just last week saw people horribly running for their deaths only to be slaughtered in the streets or burned by fire and turned to ash in their their children in their arms or in their mother's arms. Like, you did your job in the previous episode. You don't need to do it again here. And then they have Tyrion walk his way through the part of the castle that is not destroyed for some reason and find Jamie and Cersei's bodies lightly covered with one layer of rocks in the the cavern that they were in that apparently wasn't destroyed. They just happened to get they just happened like if they just like walked a few steps to the right, they would have been fine. It's not that the whole building collapses that they he literally goes over and like moves three rocks and finds their bodies. It's like what what? And then he sobs over their bodies because the the like the hundred thousand to a million people that she killed in the previous episode that wasn't enough. We have to watch him cry over his specific family members so that we're okay with him no longer being Team Danny. It's just ridiculous overkill. Uh, the Amelia Clark does really a terrific job with not great material. They have her go full Vader. Uh, I think friend of the show Elson Schumacher called it. Uh, Darth Neris is is her because she's all full black. They got the, the the Targaryen banner of black with the red sigil of the dragons, which is like it's full Hitler, Vader, like conquering army speech kind of a thing. Um, then, but the troubles they do all of this really over the top stuff with her, and then they try to get you to believe that Jon Snow is not already on board with the fact that he has to kill her. 
So then they have Tyrion explain to him for another way too long scene why Danny's got to go and he's got to be the one to do it while John presents his feeble arguments for why she's justified in slaughtering children. And it's just it's just bad. And Amelia Clark is doing a terrific job with the dialogue they've been giving her, which hasn't been great. And Dinklage is doing a great job with the dialogue they give him. Pretty good job, some of it. Uh, He's an excellent actor. It's just like nobody was going to make some of that dialogue work. Um, And Harrington, just like, he just can't, he's not up to to pace with Dinklage. And also, I wouldn't wish that dialogue or that arc on any actor because it's not good. Um, the, The final scene that we get with Daenerys and Jon is actually lovely. Very well done. And if she had only, you know, like, slaughtered the Red Keep... And not the entire city. And it had been like, that's where all Cersei's forces were. Like, so if there was any level of you could believe, like, you could lie to yourself and say that what she did was okay, or like, at least understandable, then that scene would have had a lot of power. And there would have been a need for Tyrion to convince Jon in the previous scene. But they just way overplayed their hand in the previous episode. So it, it hampered everything. The, the, you know, the, the romantic kiss, you will always be my queen, stab, right, uh, which we get for Danny uh, is is as good as it was going to be, considering that the actors just don't have chemistry. Uh, but it's shot really well. They're acting their butts off. And it's framed in a really well, you know, it's like a, it's a well done scene. Um, but then Drogon coming up and being like, mom, mom. Is, is really emotional and sad. And then he decides to, instead of burning John, who obviously killed his mom, he decides, I know, I'll destroy the symbol. The symbol of what this, like, I'm a dragon, but I know what this throne represents, and I'm going to destroy. What? What? Why? Why is this happening? Why is he, like, he doesn't, like, burn everything. He just does and goes and, and holds his dragon fire on the throne for an extended period of time so he can melt the throne. Which, like, really, guys? We're going to melt the symbol. This is going to at least put John in front of the throne. And then John is a Targaryen, so he can't be burned, you know. And so then, like, it, that would have worked. But, oh, God, it's just really unfortunate. The second half of the episode has a few good scenes, but a lot of really stupid stuff. Um, doesn't make sense why Grey Worm's army is taking has taken over the city, um, but then he's like just pieces out and leaves when they choose their new ruler, um, even though they let John go free and they let Tyrion, who prompted the queen's uh, assassination, to go free uh, and be the new hand of the king. Like, it's just a lot of really convenient writing that doesn't make any sense. Um, the performances are good. Bran, if, if you're like, okay, so Noel, if you're going to, if you know years ahead of time who your king is going to be, do you think that it makes sense to then not have him be in one of the eight seasons? Because he's not even in season six of the show. Is that because he's getting all his knowledge from a tree? Yeah. And also because the actor had a growth spurt and that much time wasn't supposed to have spent, have passed yet. So there's like, uh, let's just have him be under a tree this whole season. Even though he's going to be the freaking king in at the end of the show, and we already know this. Also, they didn't give him... He's, he has no personality. He's like the worst choice to be king. He doesn't want anything. Like, it's just... It's really... It's bad. It's bad. And then the um, final council, like, it's just a lot of 
let's make Bronn be the master of coin because he's funny and friends with Tyrion and like he likes money. So it makes sense to have him be the treasurer. Just because someone likes money doesn't mean that they know how to run a business, that they know how to like like what tax rates you should set and like how you should invest in various things to prompt, you know, your economy to do like, oh God. It's just, there's a lot of stupid choices. But the final, like, end point that they came up with for their main characters, except for Bran, I think makes sense. Sansa's queen of the north. Arya goes off on adventures. Um, John ends up north of the wall with Ghost, who he does actually pet this time. Um, and Tormund. I mean, I think as far as an ending point for all these characters, it was just a happy ending, which is strange and not appropriate for Game of Thrones. But, you know, most of it I thought worked um it's just a shame because it could have been so much better this same ending better handled better built to could have been way more affecting and way more uh interesting so yeah our watch is now ended and uh i have no interest in going back to rewatch any part of game of thrones but i'm sure people will discover it and enjoy the journey you know like the things that it did well it did very very well and uh you know how, like, watching a show, like, watching TV is what, and getting an appreciation for the craft of TV is what made me care about writers, you know? And what I was watching, like, people were, like, would go to cons and, like, want to see interviews with the actors. And I'm like, uh, whatever. I want to see the interviews with the writers and the showrunners, because they're the ones who create these worlds. And the, the my my watching of Buffy growing up, uh, I could pick out the voices of the different actors and be like, oh, this is a Jane Espinosa episode. Oh, this is a David Fury episode. That kind of a thing. So what, what this <laughs> has done is, is this has been the opposite. It's made me a fan of some of these actors <laughs> and that I didn't already know and made me very certain I will be avoiding <laughs> David Benioff and D.B. Weiss shows and movies in the future. So I look forward to not watching <laughs> their Star Wars trilogy and uh, and instead very much following like because what like seriously what amelia clark does in these last few episodes knowing the shit sandwich she was handed is so impressive (laughs) it's the best acting she's had in the whole show so hopefully she finds some another project soon that she can put all of that passion into and that deserves it so yeah, because uh, there are various points in the show where I have not been impressed with her. But these last few episodes, she 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 can do it. She clearly can. She's got a lot of a lot of ability. It's just a matter of, you know, finding the right motivation. And unfortunately, at this point, the motivation was, well, I better sell this because the script doesn't. Um. So yeah. Oh man, I look. For, uh, I'm so. I'm just. I'm glad it's done. And I, I also am very glad I watched this with friend of the show, Elsa Shoemaker, and uh, and a, a couple of other people as well. And I'm. I apologies guys if you're listening because I was kind of being a dick because I was trying to not make too many loud like groany sounds watching it um but I was certainly making some faces and uh yeah so sorry about that guys they were very cool about it but the the some of the moments that were absolutely eye-rolling for me um were really effective for some of the people I was watching with and got gasps and like and stuff so I, so I was glad that I had a chance to watch it with other people because it showed just how jaded I've become towards the show and how effective the stuff like some of these these turns and these moments really were for people who have not like who didn't used to be on a Game of Thrones podcast and haven't necessarily read the books and didn't haven't spent way too much time thinking about what was going to happen and so was 
I like I was not affected at all when John killed Danny. I was like, well, that's what had to happen. So I was expecting, yeah. you know, but it was a really effective moment for the people that I was watching it with. Like it, like, it really worked. So I was like, oh, OK, <laughs> it might be me. <laughs> Problem very well could be me. <laughs> so uh, listeners, if you're not as jaded and, and grumpy and ornery as I am, I hope then, then you probably liked the Game of Thrones finale more than I did. But I'm going to stop talking now. I've been talking too long, and I want to know what you thought of the Ducktales, Duck Knight Returns, the uh, the the I guess origin story for the uh, Darkwing Duck within the show. Like, I love that it is both a show in within this universe, and there is also now an actual Darkwing Duck in this universe and a villain, and it's all of that as well as just constantly dragging Christopher Nolan, and I'm so here for it. Right, so I was really kind of sad when I realized that the canon of Darkwing Duck was going to be... It was a TV show that was in this universe. And I just went, but why can't he be real in the show? (laughs) Tailspin's real in the show. I want this to be real in the show. And then they're just like, oh, no, just wait. We've, We've got Edgar Wright voicing our parody of Christopher Nolan, and you're going to love it. And they were correct. So this entire concept of Jim Starling, who played Darkwing Duck on the television show, voiced by Jim Cummings, who voiced Darkwing Duck originally, um, is really delightful. It's very Galaxy Quest-esque of like, oh, I'm opening up furniture stores and doing signings for fans that I see at these things all the time, and I'm so tired of it, to discovering that they're actually doing a dark and gritty reboot (laughs) of Darkwing Duck, (laughs) The Darkness Returns, where no one knows who the hero is because the heroes are the villains. Um, It's all really good. It's very funny. The poster is great. The trailer is nonsense. And this comes into like some silliness with uh, giving Dewey like too much control over the production. And somehow Scrooge still thinks it's 1927 to 1934 in how movies are made and produced. Um, And that all mustaches, all all mustaches, all villains need mustaches to twirl. Um, That it becomes that the president of the Darkwing Duck fan club, Drake Mallard, has actually been filming the stuff for this movie, um, voiced by uh, Chris uh, Diamantopoulos. I'm not saying that name correctly, but his name is very difficult for me to pronounce. Um, He's the guy who got stuffed inside a horse on Hannibal. Um, (laughs) um, Drake Mallard naturally being the alter ego of Darkwing Duck in the television show in our universe... Um, which is how all of it works out is that they, Drake Mallard decides to become, actually become Darkwing Duck in universe. Jim Starling becomes Negaduck, the, 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 the bad guy alter ego version of Darkwing Duck, who was like, dresses exactly like Darkwing Duck, except in yellow and red and black as opposed to purple white and black and it's just all very silly and it's all very good but the way that they kind of set it all up by doing this christopher parody of a christopher nolan batman film and then going whole hog on the concept of well no we're gonna have the guy become the bad guy uh it's just like oh show I like you a lot. I like you a lot, show. So I very much enjoyed this. And I also really appreciated um, Drake's um, 
dislike of uh, Gizmo Duck, which is a carryover from the Darkwing Duck show because Darkwing Duck hates Gizmo Duck because Gizmo Duck has all the cool toys and people really like Gizmo Duck. No one likes Darkwing Duck in that universe. So I really appreciated that carryover and it was just really delightful. And I'm really glad that this is now canon within the show. And I'm just like, this is good. And it also provided like a decent sort of like breather from the Della Duck stuff and the Moon stuff, even though I just kind of want to get back to that. But having like this little moment to like breathe uh, really worked really, really nicely for me. So I really enjoyed this episode. Um, And I also really like that they just dressed Megavolt up as Bane from The Dark Knight Returns because I was just like, that is not how Megavolt dresses. He's normally in like a yellow jumpsuit. Why is he? Oh, because they're doing Bane. Okay. All right. I'm here for that. I'm here for it. Yeah, I'll what allow did you it. Th- yeah. yeah, I'll allow it. Um, so what did you think about the Duck Knight Returns? Oh, it was so lovely. I really enjoyed this episode. And like you said, it was uh, placed really well. So a good breather from uh, the Della stuff and the Donald stuff and the Moon stuff. A good breather from the angst of your long lost mother is back, you know, and just have a wacky adventure with Darkwing Duck, especially after the fun bonding episode we got with uh, around that with Mrs. Beakley and everything. And so then to follow that up here, I thought, very effective. I I love that there is a Darkwing Duck in the universe now. I love the um the the energy that they give the the vocal performances and the animation too. Um and I I love how like out of touch Scrooge is and how terrible he is at being a film producer. Like that's delight. Like you see, maybe if they had mustaches, then we would know what was going on, right? I agree. I agree with the young one. You know, like that's it's it's delightful. Um and then just. It's it, the the balancing of the pure energetic fanboy uh, love of Darkwing Duck from several of the characters with just the straight up just skewering of duck gritty reboots like oh it's it's great it's just it's so fun and then you can just get and now there'll be a musical number you know from from doing like it's just it's a bunch of different things that i like all you know blended up together into a delicious uh uh smoothie of 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 entertaining darkwing duck um pop culture comic book love and appreciation and it was it was super delightful as it probably wins my week in tv this week yeah, I think it wins mine too. Um, I, yeah, it, it wins mine too just because it's really, really funny. Um, Better mm-hmm. Things, I think, also wins, but uh, mm-hmm. I think I had the most fun watching DuckTales. Yeah, and like, like I really like the elementary premiere. I'm very glad it's back. I didn't realize it was coming back this so soon, so that was a, a nice surprise. But um, and and I also, you know, really liked Blasto G. But like, I mean, come on, it was. Like, it's like i'm certainly not here to lock you in your dressing room at all like it's just so 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 silly and and you know i've got i've got a lot of space for for silly was there any other uh tv you wanted to mention before we head to our spotlight well i did want to mention um live in front of a studio audience which was on abc on wednesday in which a number of very famous people uh restage episodes of all in the family and the jeffersons they did the jeffersons pilot and then a episode, a cross, a crossover episode with um, All in the Family and members of the Jeffersons, um, and it was generally really, really good overall. Um, Jamie Foxx was not the best; he was 
leaning real hard and doing a Hemsley impression as opposed to just acting. Um, but Marissa Tomei was in so deep as Edith, Kate. Mm-hmm. Just so deep. And just, you could not tell where those two things stopped. Um, because it was just really, really good. She was just in the zone there. Uh, Wanda Sykes was also really good as Wheezy. Um, so, but... The real steel, uh, steel scene stealers were Carrie Washington and Will Ferrell, who have an immense amount of chemistry, which is never a sentence I thought I would say. But they're both really, really good in this as well. Um, so I would check it out to see if it's probably on demand somewhere um, and you can watch it. It's pretty good and it's really interesting. Um, and then the only other thing I'll say is John Michael Hagen should host a re- revamp of Supermarket Suite. Kate, do you want to explain why he should? Well, for <laughs> listeners who don't watch Full Frontal uh, with Samantha B, he they did a segment on the Democratic primary nominees and how there are too many of them, and it's hurting everyone. Uh, and uh, so, so they then this culminated in uh, was it candidate sweep where uh, two yeah. uh, two real people had to go through a supermarket and and choose uh, grab as much as many branded products for different candidates as they could in in a sh- limited time and then uh, and this was matched with you know stats about who gets elected so like there's three jobs tubs of mayonnaise and (laughs) interestingly the female candidate chooses the one with an unusual name that she kind of remembers and the male candidate goes for the tallest one and then they pop up yep on average the tallest candidate tends to win that makes sense um so, so they end up with several like things in their cart and then they have to choose one from what's in their cart and that's who is the nominee and so uh he the the male candidate the male contestant ends up with ryan who i can't even remember who is he one of the the congress people who's running i honestly don't know it's i think it's tim ryan yeah um or maybe a senator um... i don't know Anyways, and then she ends up with uh with no, Bernie. he's definitely not a senator. Um, but oh yeah. yeah, I would know that. Yes, um, and but um, she ends up with the Bernie wipes, um, and the Ryan is the giant tub of mayo, and Bernie is the all clean uh the Clorox wipes basically. And I, I enjoy that the black woman candidate is like, well, I couldn't find, I couldn't find uh, Biden, and I couldn't find Warren, so I did Bernie. <laughs> so like she <laughs> she actually was informed on several of the candidates, but she couldn't find the one she wanted quickly enough in the store, so. We ended up with that. Um, but but John Michael Higgins hosts it and does a terrific job, as you would expect he would. And his last little closing thing about, and uh, if you can't actually win the presidency, uh, get the hell out of the race. Dr- <laughs> was just a great note to end on. And, of course, he sold the crap out of it. But he should host everything. He's very funny. He's very good at his yeah. job. He is very good at so many different jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's one of those people that every time he pops up on my TV, I'm just like, oh, this is going to be fun. I'm, I'm in safe hands. This is going to be entertaining. So, yes, I think that was an excellent call. And thank you for, for reminding me about it. I'm glad that we could mention it here at the end. Um, but yeah, DuckTales wins the week in TV. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And now we will take a break and come back with our spotlight catch up uh deep dive on the Arrowverse season finales. We'll be right back after this. He works in the sun and sleeps in the canyons. Wait for summer 
was a little James Taylor sing-along, because you know I was going to include the I Do Believe in Fairies song. Um, so so if you don't know what we're talking about, listeners, we'll get to that in a moment. We're talking here in our spotlight section about the – we're doing a little Arrowverse finale roundup. So Supergirl Season 4 just finished, Arrow Season 7, The Flash Season 5, and Legends of Tomorrow Season 4. They all pretty much end with some nod to the crossover that's going to happen next year. Um, so we're going to go through all these four and see where we're at with the shows right now. Uh, Noel, you dropped in on the Arrow finale, and uh, I'll have thoughts on, on The Flash. I um, was super lost! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I watched it all, and I was kind of lost, too. So you're in good company. So let's start, though, with Supergirl, which we have been following along with. Uh, what did what did you think of season four and how everything culminated with our, with our uh, Lex, our evil Lex villainous uh, ending, and then our turn for lena um i really like this season overall i think it's probably their most tightly plotted season and most sound thematically uh that it took them four seasons to really get here is a little a little worrying but the show's also like changed so many hands and like jump networks and just had like so many weird sort of production stuff happen that i was really glad for them to find footing here with a really good story about immigration about who is a citizen who belongs and then concerns about radicalization and all this sort of stuff that really came together really really nicely and then also just go doing a lot of gang theory basically of Lex Luthor was behind all of this from the beginning and it's just like first of all that's just good like I was very not happy when they announced that they were going to do Luther, but then it was just like oh no he was the mastermind behind the whole season from the get-go and it's just like well I can get behind that because that is exactly how Luther operates like it's how it's how this works, especially in like media representations of him outside the comic books in particular. So I was really there for it. Um, Sam Witwer was just really, really good across this season, even to when he's like deeply deranged in these last couple episodes and unraveling. Um, it's just really strong stuff, I think, overall. So I really enjoyed this season across the board. It was really generally really well paced. Um, the biggest weakness was probably a lot of the stuff with John Jones was just kind of meh. Um, and it was really hard to like, for me to find like a handhold onto a lot of stuff that was happening with his particular moral crisis. But overall, it's really, really good. Um, I'm not super, 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 super keen on the Lena turn. I hate it. I hate it so much. It's, yeah. But they've been telegraphing this since literally halfway through season three that this is where they're go where we're going with this. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I've had enough time to sort of like been like, all right, we're gonna do this, and it's gonna suck. Right. And yeah, and it's gonna suck. Except for the fact that I do think that Katie McGrath is capable of doing really good villain stuff. And is going to enjoy herself a lot. And that will probably carry me through, even though emotionally and arc, character arc-wise, I'm not really buying it. But that she can't see that this is just Lex getting one little like more twist of the knife in. And that, I feel like, is sort of... That's kind of frustrating. That's coming from Lex. And that it's... Di- I, I'm, I want to see her work through this as opposed to just go full on villain. 
Um, but she's going to go full on villain. Um, provided that they're not dealing with a crisis on infinite Earths. So how did you feel about season four and uh, how things were shaking out? I'm going to start with Lena because I hate yeah. it. And I know that this is they like the whole reason they brought on Lex to be the villain this season was so they could sell turning her to be the villain for next or an antagonist of some sort. And uh, that's really annoying because I don't buy it for a second based on what they've shown us for, of her and her character. I think that there's a much more interesting discussion to be had around her actual like the her science that she's doing her her experiments and this other stuff and like and how to her that's not a contrast but to to make her make this be like some sort of like instigating thing that where she's so betrayed and angry that she's smashing whiskey glasses down on to to, to photograph like that's absurd and just once on the show what i well on on superhero shows what i like to see the I completely understand why you didn't feel like you could tell me, and I wish you had, but I get it, and now I know, and I'm thank you for telling for wanting to tell me. And I look back now on how you were about to tell me in the earlier, and I said I just can't take one more betrayal. Like, like, like I would love to see that understanding would be so much more in character, especially the number of times that they have done something like that in a subversion of our expectations. They set up that there's going to be some big villain turn and then they don't do it and they do something else instead. That would be more in keeping with the show. It would be more in keeping with the characters. It actually is something like they did on The Flash this season where they had Cisco tell his girlfriend that he's, that he's Vibe um, and she's not upset that he's been lying. She's like, well, of course I understand why you wouldn't tell me right away. I wouldn't expect you to tell me something like this right away are you like we, we've been they're serious and then they've been dating for a while now but like months not like a year or anything and it would be weird if you just led with hi also i'm a superhero i have an alter ego like it's ridiculous and i yes obviously kara and uh and supergirl have been interacting and in, very close with lena for years now but like and any any amount of perspective from Lena, which she should be able to have based on how they've drawn her to this point, would have her aware of like thinking back on and aware of all the times where she was like bashing Supergirl to Kara um, or this season actually bashing Kara to Supergirl and, and make it very so you could understand why she didn't feel like she could tell you. Also, she should have figured this out herself because, like, it's ridiculous that she didn't. But so that's one part. Uh, so that's really I really hated that. And I and I like you said, they've been leading to it for a while. So it's not unexpected. It's just exhausting. And, and I. Ugh, yeah. Katie McGrath will sell it because she's very good. Don't get me wrong. But that doesn't mean I'm looking forward to it. I also don't really buy the new relationship they're setting up between James's sister and Alex. But at least they did some legwork. Uh, I don't think those actors have that great a chemistry. Um, so that doesn't help either. Uh, but I do like what we got with Alex this season. I thought that has worked really well. I liked that. Um, Jean was like, you can't just tell out, like, I did shit to her brain. It will break her if you tell her. Like, I made this clear there was no going back. I like that there were some consequences, um, but they were able to get around it if, if she remembered herself. The grass thing? That's gotta be out of the comics. Cause that was really stupid. I, 
I have to assume it is. Um, I don't. My Superman lore or my Superman family lore is not particularly strong, but yeah, I have to assume that's some deep pull from the comics. Yeah, listeners, Kara got the like, Supergirl got beat to a pulp, and then there was a dark sky, uh, so she couldn't get sunlight. So she instead pulled the sunlight out of the grass. And the way that, like, like if they had had if if they had had Alex say something like photosynthesis plants. Plants capture light. There's light in these plants. Something like that. Like, like, and you know that Kylie Lee could have sold it. Like, that would, instead, she's just, like, really emotional and said, like, you don't die. There's light in, it's like, don't take, the plants are light. Take the, like, it was just bad. It was just not, it was not well written. Um, So that didn't work. But what did work really well all season was everything with Dreamer and everything mm-hmm. with brainy i really appreciated the sort of turn that they had for him here and what leads to it i think works i was a little tidily undone but i'll give it yes. to them because i think the they sold it with the emotion and the performances from both actors i thought were, were terrific as well so uh, i'm really looking forward to where that goes i loved the spotlight episodes we got for for dreamer this season i thought those were really effective and um yeah pretty much everything this season has worked for me you already mentioned some of the mvps and and everything with captain liberty i think has been a big part of why this season has worked so well and that that's down to the the performance the writing yes but the performance i think has really elevated that and so bringing it all together the way they we've talked about this all season the way they've pace the season um when to take a break from different storylines and incorporate the next thread like this has all been very well handled um so that the the ending while ridiculous <laughs> was surprisingly effective and and memorable and uh I, and i look forward to what's coming next yeah i'm curious to see what role lex is playing in the crisis on infinite earths um since monitor shows up i presume to retrieve his corpse mm-hmm. um but yeah, we can talk about each of the monitor appearances. <laughs> yeah. In these uh finales since he pops up his best appearances in the Legends finale, no surprise. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, I'm I'm curious about that, but yeah, the dreamer stuff was really good. The, the Brainiac being sort of reset to the OG Brainiac level um with a slightly correct um but slightly less brainiac brainiac kind of attitude but still brainiac um was really really good and i really appreciated that and the the actor's ability and i wish i'd pulled it up um to really make those uh distinctions really very clearly in what is what is a very sort of purposefully monotone kind of performance but finding a different kind of monotone to do it in was really, really good. And again, like I've said before, like this actor was fine in defiance, but he's really good here. Yeah, I agree. Well, and, and like I, I, the fear that he has of like, what's going to happen is like, basically like, you're mm-hmm. not going to like, you won't like me when I'm angry. Like it'll be bad <laughs> if you reset me kind of a thing. Um, I thought that the, the and the dialogue for him too I thought was good where it was like a good there was enough information for people who aren't as deep in lore to to connect if they've ever seen the Superman movies and they know who Brainiac is like to be like oh yeah that's right like the Brainiac thing okay and uh, not yeah. so much that it would, felt like it was necessarily like holding your hands and like spoon feeding you like I thought they they threaded that needle pretty well and um yeah the 
yeah, it was it was satisfying. I'm looking forward to like there's not like the the whole there's another Green Martian thing. They've done that before, <laughs> but still, I look I'm looking forward to that. Um, just because it'll give Jean yeah. more to do. Well, it is his like evil twin from Earth 21 or whatever oh. it is. Oh um, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's uh, Malphalak who's like his evil twin from an alternate Earth. So if if it's just giving me more of uh, David Harewood mm-hmm. stuff to do. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to complain. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. So, so I thought all in all it was a strong finale, except for the Lena stuff, which they might maybe they'll think better of. They won't, but maybe they will during the. They won't, the, but yeah, <laughs> the hiatus. Um, but everything else, and like like the when they brought back um, the the Mama Danvers, right? For that, I was like, what what an effective little like twist! I didn't necessarily expect it to do, just because of casting realities and having to pay people. You know, like it didn't occur to me that they would yeah. do that um, with the various ways they could have. So, um, like there was just some like really effective moments, and and the fights I thought were were good enough. The the Lex manipulations were cackly enough. The missed test mockers, the reveal that 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 Eve is not actually just like some idiot who's smitten with Lex, but was that was all a facade? Oh, it's so much better. See, that's the exact kind of thing. Where I'm it's like, so, yeah, taking Supergirl, taking setting your expectations for one thing, and then going like, no, guys, we come on, we're not doing that. That's really boring. You should know that we know better than that. And so, Supergirl writers, yeah. I know that you know better than making Lena this upset about Kara's secret identity. Ah, uh, but they don't. But but they don't. Here we are. <laughs> <sighs> okay, well, let's move on to Arrow. Unless you have other Supergirl thoughts. Yeah. Nope. Okay, so I I watched all of this season of Arrow. You just jumped in for the finale after stopping about like five or six episodes, right? Into th- yeah, I think so, something like that. Um, I no wait, did I watch any of season seven? I think I well, watched you a saw couple the, episodes. Of season yeah, you saw some of the Emiko stuff, right? No, I think I left right before she showed up. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. That sounds familiar. Okay, so yeah. um, the whole structure of the season with the flash forwards to a dystopian future that is not interesting and should bleed over into all the shows, um, but doesn't uh, for any meaningful reason, um, is not my favorite part. I really, I just, I never like the flashbacks, except in season two. They just have never worked, or the flash forwards in this case. But I think some of the other threads this season have been effective. Um, the overall, like, Emiko, or Emiko, I'm pronouncing her name wrong. I think was a fun addition, but I wasn't interested in how they actually deployed her. And uh, I think everything with Laurel this season, uh, I mean, the Black Siren Laurel, uh, has been very, and, and Felicity and and her totalitarian tendencies, but being very, very specifically drawn out of her PTSD and her trauma, I think was very effective. And um, like when you have Felicity in charge of a monitoring system that tracks everything, people based on their dna anywhere in the city like that's horrifying but when felicity's in charge it's like it's like princess bubblegum in adventure time where like you see her wall of monitors and you're like that's totalitarian regime right there oh but we like her so uh okay and the show knows that about this dichotomy and they're intentionally messing with us so well done show like like so when it's felicity in charge of archer right you're more on board with it. And then so watching her realize what this could be over the course of the season and going, oh, people besides me exist and they could get this technology. Oops. Sorry, guys. (laughs) I thought that that was all very effective. Uh, The the children and the next generation thing works better than many of the other flashbacks and flash forwards and flash sideways and whatever. Um, But 
in in like all in all like setting up this future this dystopian future for all of the shows in there like in at least for for Arrow and Flash cuz they're in the same universe uh feels like a like an overstep and I, I guess they're just assuming that we aren't thinking about what this future if this is locked in stone what this future means then for all of our characters over on the Flash you know that many years in the future that means that they are also like there's no way a star city that looks like this could exist in the same country that doesn't that has our like central city being anything like what it is now um so i think we're just not supposed to think about that and that's frustrating well that this is a time period in which they have visited like legends of tomorrow as well right because mm-hmm. the connor hawk yeah connor showed up um in like star city 2049 where they had old man oliver um unconvincingly <laughs> um, but th- that they had that so like this is a time period that has existed within the show within the universe um but your point about like whether or not this gets stuck or not or solidifies enough that it can't be undone especially in light of some of the stuff that happens in legends season at the legend season finale um also just goes no one's talking to anyone about anything <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean like it makes complete sense for the, for arrow which has always been such a, a darker uh yeah. show like that makes sense but also they're just starting batwoman and granted that it's another yeah. darker grittier show but like you really want to set such a feudalistic like like why are we watching this show if we already know that everyone's just going to be miserable and washed out in the future <laughs> I mean, Dollhouse is my answer to that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, well, what did you think of, of this finale and uh, how much of it, if any of it, made sense? All right, so the first half of this made absolutely no sense to me since I didn't know what was going on. But I also feel like the writers just didn't really care about what was happening in the first half. It's just like, we need to we need to move this along. We need to finish this because we really want to do this stuff at the end mm-hmm. of everyone saying goodbye and having a goodbye type of thing of like, all right, we know we're going to get our 10 episodes, but those 10 episodes have to be really dedicated to doing something else, apparently. So let's have our goodbyes. Let's do a lot of farewell sort of things with our remaining cast from the OG cast, basically, that's still here. Let's have them all say goodbye. So that moment between Oliver, Felicity, and Diggle was really good. And genuinely sort of heartfelt, um, even though I am a significantly lapsed viewer of this show now. It was just like, oh, wow. I remember when it was really good in season two and how much that kind of meant in like a core relationship with the show really meant. And so having that play out and then having them go off and live in like an Argus city of <laughs> retired agents and stuff. and it's just In like, Argus Village. <laughs> Who's number six? Which is just really good. Um, And I like that concept because I like that idea because it means that they don't have to deal with the Ivy Town stuff from the beginning of season five, where Oliver is just miserable in Ivy Town. Um, But it just felt really good. And I liked those little snippets and those little vignettes that we got of Felicity and Oliver's life. And it not be and not be not be terrible, like be legitimately like happy and not dissatisfied with this choice, with this decision to leave. So I really appreciated all of that. And then to have the monitor come and be like, no, boy, it's time. We need to get going. 
crisis is here and it's time for you to pay the pay, pay make good on your end of the deal that we made on um whatever the last crossover was called which was elseworlds please elseworlds thank you um to make good on that so i really like that but then i also sort of liked the promise of the end of 40 years later of felicity being like nope i made it i made a deal too and now i'm we're we're i'm going to finally be back with him and while as much as i still don't really totally understand that relationship (laughs) um the show's dedication to it and the both of the actors dedication to it i think helps a lot um so while i was completely lost for the first half the second half really worked for me um just having the grounding of the show's history behind it so it was fine but it was also i was just so totally lost Mm -hmm. (laughs) i was just like i don't even know what's happening in 2049 right now (laughs) (laughs) yes uh but i now the tommy stuff was that the finale or was that the penultimate episode because i watched these back to back that was the penultimate episode. There wasn't any Tommy stuff in this. Oh, okay. So I really like the Tommy stuff and bringing him back as like, basically just, you know, he's trapped under rubble and, and he's like, he's like, I must have a really bad concussion if I'm seeing you. And Tommy's like, yep, <laughs> look at that. And look, your, your spirit almost the exact same way you found my body. That's probably part of it too. <laughs> Why you're seeing me right now. Um, That was really, really fantastic. And I love that they just keep bringing that actor back when they go like, yeah, he's dead, but. He's really good and like the 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 Ollie and Tommy relationship is one of the like one of our go-tos. It's like insty like insty feels and the actors sell the crap out of it. So let's just keep bringing it back every time we can. Uh for alt universe and for uh for for dreams and for, you know, clonked on the head, like it's, it works well. Um I just for musicals exactly because he sings and dances yeah exactly exactly <laughs> um the stuff i'm it's like i really didn't like on the ninth circle and i didn't care about any of that stuff i do like that they despite like all of this like what is our responsibility to the city and like they will sacrifice so much for like of their of themselves to protect other people um and i think that they really sold i loved the, the decision that like as soon as it's no our daughter or our kid that we're going to have is in danger uh, or it will be endangered if we don't leave, that it's an instant, well, we're leaving then. And I think that that is in character and works really, really well and shows very much who they are versus like they, the show always waves away the threat to, to little diggle, you know, uh, to JJ. Um, But the way they do that is by having um, those two, like the parents are, both badasses in very different spheres most of the time so when the one like you get the sense that when things are hot for john right mom's got it (laughs) and vice versa you know um whereas here it the the same impulses that lead them to sacrifice parts of themselves and their lives for other people tie directly into their willingness to sacrifice team arrow being on team arrow for their kid and i thought that that worked really well and was very in character a lot of I, like other shows have tried to do stuff like that and it, it doesn't really resonate and i thought this did um also just everything with roy this season which i know you didn't see um was it just it felt really stupid and and just like an instigating factor to move the plot along versus something that made sense for the characters um it was frustrating but 
yeah, that was an earlier the season thing. The finale itself, I thought, like you said, all the goodbyes worked well. And uh, you could tell that they were like, we're going to wrap up the show. We'll be done. Crisis needs help. We need to, like, build the th- – okay, then I guess we're going to have one more season. And it'll be a mini season. Um, So they – like, Crisis better deliver. With how much they are impacting all of these shows with Crisis, if it doesn't deliver, it's going to be real frustrating. So that's my thought on that. Um. Next up is Flash, and I'm, I'm going to keep this pretty quick. Um, I thought that the end of the season didn't really come together, but the beginning of the season did. It was really impactful, ending the way they did with Nora being unwritten from the timeline uh, based on their choices um, made sense. And like the idea that they, they can save her, but only if she's in this negative speed force, but that would then pollute her personality and who she was and she's not willing to do that. I thought that was all very emotional, impactful, worked really well and made sense for the characters. Um, some of the, like the filling time to get there. <laughs> I don't know how that worked, but also like the, the, the actors really sold. Iris and Barry really sold the, the balancing of their loss and like making that very palpable with, like this sense that they aren't for they know they should be even more upset but they also have this feeling that they're going to see her again that like yes she's the the nora that comes back in time has been lost from the timeline but like not like she's never going to exist you know and so i think that that they handled that the actors sold that kind of tricky balance pretty well and so that lets the audience not be too upset i think that such a delightful charming performance from the season such a an excellent addition to the dynamic of the group the season which is you know nora and that performance uh is is now gone from the show the stuff with um sherlock was stupid um but in a very flash way and i will not miss him (laughs) Uh, having a lot of this turn out to be reverse flash all along um again not all that interesting but they needed to get Reverse Flash ready to go for Crisis. So, fair enough. And Kavanaugh always choose a bunch of scenery and it's entertaining when that happens. Cicada, man, like, I want to like Chris Klein. Um, he's just, it just wasn't good. And, like, the twist to other Cicada, Cicada 2, didn't really help. Um, Cicada started out as a really compelling villain, but I think they just, it wasn't enough to sustain the whole season. Or they, they needed a shorter episode order or they needed more standalones. Um, and and some of the standalones worked. Some of the Caitlyn stuff worked. Uh, some of it didn't. And I think a big another big issue this season was the reduced presence of Cisco. Him taking the cure at the end and losing his superpowers while the actor plays it really well. That like like for that that like uncertainty to a big grin to a little bit of uncertainty afterwards because it's permanent. Um that is, I don't know that I believe it for the character, <laughs> but I think we could all see that he's ready to move on to another show or do something else. <laughs> the actor is. And so that's why this is happening. He's ready to Jeremy Jordan. Peace out. <laughs> yeah. He's very much ready to Jeremy Jordan. And, um, and so because of that, like, I think the, sh- the dynamic of the show is such that it doesn't bother me as much that it's not quite in character because like there, there's like sort of a wink to the, audience a little bit of like we need him to be able to leave and him not having superpowers makes it easier for him to leave this is not wally where we can just have him go off to tibet (laughs) um so uh 
you know, that they could just have him go to another Earth. But anyways, point being, I will miss him uh, very much. The show will really miss him if he's not around too much in the in the coming season. But uh, as far as the overall plot, all the it's like, it's, it's so, as so often is true with Flash, all the emotional stuff, all the core connections of the character stuff works well. Um, the stuff around around that isn't always as successful, and um, the overall like the execution of some of the time travel stuff and the Nora stuff, I think worked out. Um, but it just, there was some, some silliness and I mean, it's not the worst finale by any stretch. It's not, you know, it just, I, I, I just go into flash with significantly lowered expectations than I used to, um, which is disappointing because there are a number of really, really charming and, and, and entertaining performances there and actors there. And um, you know that they could sell if they had some, something more interesting to do um so hopefully that'll come next season i guess i i feel like it's just it's my inner cubbies fan right next season <laughs> we'll get it um but there, there's more that did go right this season than didn't and i think it's a step in the right direction aside from maybe losing cisco yeah um i, I watched like a handful of episodes for this season and then pieced out uh, because it just wasn't clicking for me, and I've been just frustrated with the Flash, and which is sad. But like your Cubby's sort of approach of like it'll be better next season, we'll really rebuild in the off season, really come together, and it's just like will they though? Probably not. Um, they do get a new showrunner for season six, if I recall correctly, um, which might be a good thing. Um, and if they can come together, it's just. I really do think that The Flash, more so than these other shows, struggles from having a good villain and doing really well by its villains now, um, especially as they can't rely on, like, good metahumans of the week because they also don't know how to develop, seemingly have forgotten how to develop those really, really well. Um, So it's sort of a frustration, but, um, I mean, because of the stupid crossover this season, next season, threatening to consume everyone for a little while. I'm probably turned back to season six, at least through the crossover since that crossover is also spanning like two months. Now they're doing like three episodes in December and then cap closing it out in January, which seems like a choice. Yeah. But I'm assuming like a lot of that is being dictated by like the arrow production cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, more so than anything else, which also might explain why Legends isn't coming back until the mid-season next year. Mm. That makes me sad. Yeah. Mm. Makes me sad, too. Well, I think that's a great way to go to our last show here in Legends. And it's... Okay, so I think we're both on the same page. This is nowhere near as good as last season. uh, The last season finale. And parts of the season have been really great, but the whole... like You can tell where they pivoted and they're like... Never mind, let's rewrite the entire ending. Um, and uh, and so considering that, I think they did a good job. Um, the the very goofy, like, Peter Pan, clap if you believe in fairies. You can do it. Like, ending is ridiculous. But I like this show so much that I will go with them. And they had a Minotaur playing a guitar. And that helps a lot. <laughs> Um, so I actually found myself surprisingly charmed by this. I liked that the Haywood stuff didn't actually end up really being much. They were playing that up a lot in the promos, but it was a very small part of, 
of the show aside from like the tent like itself um so i appreciated that but um yeah i think there was this was a good blend of like goofy and ridiculous and impactful and like i thought i thought like the sort of almost pivot into like half constantine show with just some funny elements and half legends worked surprisingly well i mean it was just very much a mishmash uh that didn't culminate the way that season three did so satisfyingly but still was a lot of fun and uh i mean gary now being fully on the team i don't buy it but that it's fun and the actor's having a good time and he can be their barker like i will just go with them (laughs) so much i trust these writers so much um and they mostly pay it off in the right way so so for me this finale while like no like so far away from bebo it's not even funny it still had a lot of uh, a lot to enjoy and i'm gonna be back with bells on for season five yeah, I think your point about, like, the Constantine stuff is really kind of spot on. And, like, all right, we're going to get this whole mythos explanation of hell in terms of souls and coins. And just, the, you have to have this thing to go get that thing. And, like, the politics of hell over the past two episodes have all been really delightful. And then they go save Ray, and he's playing Jenga with a very silly Vandal <laughs> Savage that he has made best friends with. Yeah, And it's just, A, that is so Ray. But B, it also just, I really appreciate them bringing back Vandal Savage and bringing back that actor specifically and being like, this is how far we've come, everyone. Remember season one? Don't remember season one. And (laughs) when we had this guy playing this really dour, terrible villain that didn't work, and, but... The, the actor was a delight and was really funny and really charismatic as soon as we yelled cut that we just went let's just bring him back for this one thing and that's what they did like they just went yeah no we wanted to show off that this actor is actually kind of a fun fella so we just brought him back for this because also naturally naturally Ray would make friends with whomever was torturing him because he's such a good boy mm-hmm. <laughs> so I really liked that upending of we're going to do all this serious hell stuff and then... Yeah, no, I made friends with Vandal Savage. Um, My person um, who has not seen season one, we skipped it when we watched seasons two and three last year, um, was just like, oh, that's such a cool way to introduce Vandal Savage to this series. Even though it's not really like how I would conceptualize Vandal Savage. And I just went, oh, babe... They already did this. It did not work. We can have a project during the summer, and you can see why yeah. they chose this as as yeah. a uh, as a way to to sort of apologize for season one. Yeah, yeah. It's really the show has come. Like you said, the show has come so far. Uh, and you're right. I I still think that the show's too too much hung up on like the idea of Hey World. Um, as being a positive thing, even if they kind of spin it here to be more of a we need to save everyone sort of thing. So it kind of elides the more awfulness of he was making a zoo for sentient creatures. That's not okay. Yeah, because yeah, they're not doing <laughs> a zoo sh- here. They're doing a stage show, which is totally yeah. different. <laughs> right. Um. So it's sort of like it balances out a little bit. And I really appreciate how bad Sarah and Nate are at performing. Because <laughs> um, there's, no, there's no harder acting than doing really bad acting when you're a good actor. And so watching them both really lean in hard on that was just, it 
was so good. And this was the best monitor appearance of, I'm going to look very imposing in these stands while I watch this. And then Eat some I'm eating popcorn because this show's really good. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh, show. You get me. Yeah, as if you needed like a better like indicator of of these different shows, the tone of these different shows. Yeah. It's like just look at the different monitor scenes and be like, "Legends, you're the show for me." <laughs> yeah, basically, it's just like, oh, right. They have no idea who this dude is because they have not interacted with him in any way, shape, or form mm-hmm. because they shouldn't have taken a hard pass on the crossover. <laughs> <Should> the crossover. <laughs> oh my god, that was so that was so funny. <gasps> And so well done. When, like, and to call it back at the end here, like, Carl, they, they wouldn't, they didn't really, they, they, that was a hard pass. We, they, we should have done the crossover, guys. They were still kind of pissed about it. <laughs> and then we got to see Gary in the Barry suit. And it was just like, oh my God, it was so fun. Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, no, it was really delightful. And so all of that was really good. And it just leads into like the one kind of frustration that I'm interested in seeing them deal with is, why is Zari gone? I don't want Zari to be gone. I'm excited for what they've already said that they're going to do with Zari next season, but I don't want Zari to be gone. I don't want her brother to be hanging out here. They're going to undo <laughs> it, right? We all know they're going to yeah. undo it, and I look forward to them undoing it. But um, yeah, I liked the uh, the, the 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 turn of that and be like, is be like a little more pelvis than usual. But like, way to go, bro! Like, I like that he is instantly in the same wavelength and like. The, the, yes. the vibe of the show because of course he would be otherwise he wouldn't still be with the legends you know um yes I, and and i look forward to getting to see tyler ash who's just become such an essential part of the show it really mm-hmm. speaks to them identifying the strength their strengths and and playing to them um but I, i'm really looking forward to what the, she's gonna get to do in the next season and hopefully they she will get her memories back because i'm not interested in a memoryless version of the character yeah, so they've already confirmed that she's coming back, and they've already like conceptualized what she's going to be, which is because of what she did as a child, she's sort of this internet sensation of the girl who tamed a dragon. And so they're going to deal with like the fallout of her celebrity as an adult. Okay. <laughs> which which I'm just like, oh, that's going to be good. Yeah. That's going to be good. But I want her back on the ship, and I don't want her brother here at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um but i'm i'm looking forward to season five um i like the fact that they're going to bring back like historical sort of villains like Kangas khan's back everyone yeah caligula's back and and just like i'm i'm eager for them to get back to that kind of a slightly more grounded (laughs) um type of thing but i think all of it's really good and um but also MVP of the season, Tabitha Man, because that actor was just so good. Yeah. <laughs> fairy yeah. Godmother, and now Nora's the Fairy Godmother, and just, I hope she's never able to take that costume off ever again. <laughs> <laughs> what a fun way to keep her on the ship, too, and to keep mm-hmm. Gary, and to keep, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of fun they can have with that. And I'm sure, and, and the other thing is, I'm very confident these writers are going to get the three episodes or whatever it is out of that and then as soon as they yeah. feel, can feel that it's time like they need to change it up they will then they'll they'll have come up with an excuse for the curse to be broken and then you know go from there and uh and i, I i'm very confident that that i'm in good hands with these characters and this show so yeah. i'm did not expect a season five very happy we're getting a season five and uh 
yeah, we'll see what comes next. Like melding these so tonally distinct shows, especially something like Arrow and and Legends, like Sarah, like especially because Katie Lots is just so good, can jump between the shows just incredibly organically. But everybody else. Gary on Arrow, you know, like so. So well, it's so funny that you say that because now I'm I'm thinking it's just like wow, I really want Constantine and Sarah to meet Kate Kane and just mm-hmm. watch them both flirt so heavily with her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it it. But I'm looking forward to seeing, especially with a couple of these under their belts now how the shows yeah. do the crossover this next time um and hopefully it can actually pay it off because the trouble is we have all of these characters each of these shows has a deep bench of characters and the reason we like the shows are because of the characters um the superhero stuff too but like be- very much because of the characters and so when these, these crossovers they've mostly just centered on one or two people and that's never that satisfying for me. And so if they can figure out a way to incorporate more of the characters in the crossovers, that's what I think would be ultimately the most satisfying. So I'm hoping that's with the, especially with the crossover being more spread out, I'm hoping that that's, we get a little bit more of that this next time. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Yeah, I am too. Uh, this, this crossover in a lot of ways feels like a make or break, but also like a big, all right, we're rejiggering sort of our shared universe in a lot of ways, potentially. Um, and here's how we're going to do it. And here's how this is going to look. Um, so we'll see. Um, I do. I still don't know how I feel about Black Lightning being off in its own little corner. Yeah. Um, since they've acknowledged Supergirl exists, or a Supergirl exists on that Earth. Um, but at the same time, Black Lightning's so in its own zone of this is what we're doing. But at the same time, it's also Kaznia has metahumans. And it's just like, but what they've got what 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 is happening right now? <laughs> yeah. I would let me um, I mean again, such a terrific show. I would love to see it incorporated with at least one of these other shows. Like, and maybe the answer is yeah. not these massive four-way crossovers, but like the yeah. Like like the Supergirl Flash crossover is still probably the best one they've done. That single crossover, yeah. and that's the kind of thing that I think would be most uh, compelling. Talk about watching, yeah. wanting to see people flirt. I, I want to see Alex flirting with with Thunder. You know, like come on, I like badass chicks. Like you know, beating up bad guys in an alley and then like going out for drinks after. Yes, please. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. I don't know. We'll we'll see if they ever do incorporate Black Lightning, but I would be all for it. If only just to get some more people to watch Black Lightning, because I think if they give it a shot, they'll go, oh, the show's really great. I should be watching that, too. But who knows? Yeah, I think a lot of it just has to boil down to production. Like, flying and setting up someone and taking that week off to go down to Atlanta to shoot is just, like, asking a lot. And as much as, like, the whole politics of Georgia or super terrible um moving black lightning as i've said out of atlanta would just be a terrible terrible idea um you just lose so much from um freeland if you move it out of atlanta yeah they're kind of stuck yeah yeah you can't move that show up to vancouver no you can't no so we'll see what happens with all of these crossovers and all these uh, various other uh, factors um any final thoughts on the arrowverse which season are you most looking forward to next year 
Legends, obviously. Obviously, Legends. Um, I feel like it goes like, so Legends, Supergirl. Yeah. Flash Arrow? Arrow Flash? Yeah, I mean, you can swap them out. Like, I'm, I'll check in on Flash, but I'm, I am going to watch, like, the entirety of Arrow Season 8. Um, in part because this was, like, the first show that I got to review, period. So, like, it has a lot of, like, and paid-wise. Um, and I did it for three, four, five seasons? I did it for a long time. Um, and so I've sentimentally like it's weird to want to be there for the end but i want to be there for the end basically which is the other reason i checked in on this finale after i read allison's uh review um and went oh okay good so there's a there's a half of this episode that i'm actually going to understand (laughs) (laughs) thanks for letting me know allison i really appreciate it (laughs) yeah no that mean it and it it is a very different relationship you have with a show that you've covered like that and yeah and it makes complete sense that you want to see it out yeah, and I mean, I covered Flash for like th- three seasons as well, but uh, I, I, I don't feel compelled to go back. Yeah, well, it, it, it's not the same as your first one. It's just not. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Veep was my first yeah. one over at the AV Club, and it was like it was kind of surreal finishing it up and be like, oh, wow, I've been on this Veep not since the, like someone else started it, but I picked up the show mid season three, and uh, like wow, it's really been this long that I've been writing there, and it, like that's how long the show has been on. And yeah. Definitely, definitely. So, well, that wraps up then our Arrowverse finale roundup. Went way longer than I thought. I don't know why I thought it wouldn't go this long. Of course, it's me and it's you, of course. Uh, listeners, let us know how you're feeling about the Arrowverse right now and what you what you are looking forward to for the Crisis on Infinite Earths um, and all of that uh, drama that is headed our way. Um, but for now, if you show notes, you can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can also find us our M4A chaptered feed and our MP3 unchaptered feed and iTunes and, and we're also over on Stitcher. We would appreciate ratings and reviews either place uh, reach out and let us know what you think of the show you can also uh email us the televerse at gmail.com and we are both up on twitter i am at the televerse and noel you are at noel rk and thank you everyone for listening thank you noel for another lovely week thank you kate i really enjoyed the conversation this week thank you and everyone will be back next week with another episode of the televerse mm-hmm.